Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We have been on the road, but just in the on the roads of Maui. <laughs> it's funny you'd say that. We really like the roads here for some reason. For two reasons. Number one, Maui, Hawaii in general, does a great they have really a lot of really narrow, windy roads, but they do a great job of painting the lines on the road. The lines are fresh and clear and you can see them well. And one of the things we're always bothered by when we're driving at night in a lot of places is that the, the, the lines are hard to see and it makes it so much harder to drive at night, it especially does. for old people. <laughs> so we really worry about those old people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel so sorry for them. Oh, gosh. Um, well, we have another beautiful day in paradise here. I'm sorry if it's still snowing in Utah or wherever you are. Apparently, it's been snowing all across the nation, just moving from the uh, west and midwest and middle. And then now in the east, it's really a crazy winter. But the good news is we are, we do every year. We just, we keep, it sounds like an excuse or a rationalization or justification, but we come here largely to finish up writing projects that are stalled or that we don't have time to get done when we're in familiar places and have a lot of commitments and we're doing it. Linda, you are just a writing fiend. I mean, Linda writes <laughs> sometimes you, I bet you wrote for eight hours yesterday. I'm writing a long time um, when we're home and, uh, it what really are you is. writing? That's what all the listeners want oh, to yeah. know. What is Linda well, working different on? Different stories at different <laughs> times. That um, I've been working with StoryWorth. I don't know how many of you have heard of that, but they send you a question every week and then you just answer it. So they sent me questions last week and I answered about half of them in the year. And now I'm working on the other half. So, uh, you know. Funny things like, what was your most awkward date? And luckily it was. It was luckily it was with me. <laughs> Wait, was I the awkward date or was it an awkward date of which I was a part? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, both, it. I guess. I was the awkward date too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last night I wrote about, um, the question was, what's your most memorable trip? And I just wrote about a trip. That was so memorable for two reasons. First of all, because I had to leave our daughter. We had a 10 around the world in 18 days uh, book tour, tour and book speaking tour. tour. That was absolutely booked and the flights were all booked before our daughter announced that she was having a baby. Uh, right about the time we were leaving. And then we should, they announced 16 weeks later that it was not only one, but two. Two babies. babies. Twins and, were coming. On the, we were leaving and Linda was in a panic. I if that had so, been any less of so a consequential sad. trip, you would have just not gone. Oh, for sure. I would have just canceled, but everything was set. There's no way I could go. So we thought, well, as long as there's no complications. Well, there were complications. The first baby was born naturally, beautiful. And then the second baby. Well, we were there. We, we were, were there. there it was, the, they were in, living in California. San and Francisco. They were living in California. But, but our flight was going out that same night. The next day. The next day. Oh, the next, next day. morning. So, but the other baby stuck his hand out and got stuck, and they had tried to have a C-section on the other on the twins. So, 
that was the hardest day of my life when I had to leave those kids. So anyway, we for just- For this Grammy, I mean, you know, again, this is an old story that Linda's working on, but for this Grammy, leaving her daughter with those two twins and having had a C-section was like the hardest thing you've ever done. Especially because I'd had a C-section myself, an emergency. Yeah. On the fifth child. And it was their fifth child, but the big problem was the other children were- by almost five. It was their fourth and fifth. Three and five. a half, two. Oh, yeah. And then twins. <laughs> so she had five under five. Five Can you under imagine? five. Five. Oh, five. that was so hard to leave her. Well, and our youngest daughter, it almost matched her. It's interesting. Our oldest daughter had twins, and the youngest daughter had twins, and the youngest daughter had four under four, and the oldest daughter no, the had oldest four was- under five. Five under five. Yeah, they were about the same, which was crazy because the that daughter, our youngest daughter, is the one that came to the rescue because she was on a long yeah. break at school at Wellesley College. And she, we shipped her out and she came to help for two um, weeks. Well, her, we were touring around we the world gone. speaking and feeling so, guilty. So when she, they told her on her ultrasound, she had three under four. Um that she was having twins she went oh oh wait 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 i can't do that i can't do that no 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 i've seen Come, this i know how this again. works yeah. i can't do this you gotta do that again make no i'm sure you're wrong and so anyway but she's fine she's doing great she's got a six four and two two two-year-old twins right now and life works out and those guys survived and we went on to this tour and our first stop was uh chennai in india and it was three weeks after the tsunami this is fresh on your mind. It was the most disastrous um natural natural disaster in the history of the oh, world. Oh man, that brings back memories. Two hundred and seventy-eight thousand people died. I had an amazing experience there. I got some money and was trying to hand it out to people who were on the beach and their houses were knocked down and I didn't calculate that uh, it would cause a riot. I had people around. I thought people were surrounding me, and I I was trying to be discreet about it, but they saw me, and I finally ended up, I just, my hands were up in the air, and I threw the money because I couldn't do anything else. It was an crazy, a crazy experience. But then I realized someone had taken my wallet while I was doing that. And I, my first thought was, well, of course they'd take your wallet. They don't even have a house. They're destitute, you know? yeah. But my second thought was, now I got to go cancel credit cards, and it's going to make the whole trip messed up, and so on. And I worked my way back to the taxi, and this guy whose face I will never forget—a young man, probably seventeen or eighteen—came running, running out of the crowd over to the car, and 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 said, "Wait, wait, wait!" And I. I waited and he handed me the wallet. He said, I'm so sorry. We are not dishonest people. A young boy, I apologize. This is not our way. And he just went on and on and not one thing was missing from that wallet. It was amazing. It restored. I mean, it gave me faith in the nobility of the human soul and that people have honor and have integrity, even when they have nothing, even when they're they're. Their houses have just been wiped out by a tsunami. Yeah, Sorry, that was a little diversion, but you, it's your fault. You reminded me of it. I know. But it was quite an experience. Um, we have been kind of in the past, I have been, ever since we got here, because I'm thinking about 
all the stories that well, it's um, part of our family life. history, our autobiography that we're trying to write. Oh, and by the way, Linda came up with a great title for this book. It's it's a book we've been working on well, not, for years, trying to capture. Not the one I'm working on. This is well, just no, but they'll book. all dovetail together at some point, you know, because they're all our story. And um, we've been trying to, you know, not so much that we want an autobiography, but the fact that we think raising our family, our large family of nine children in the time frame that we did is just a really kind of a rare story. It's kind of like Cheaper by the Dozen, updated a little bit. And we had some crazy ideas. And so we're trying to put this book together. And if anything, it's too long. We're going to have to cut it down and cut it down. But we've been trying to think, what would the title be? And we we laugh about it because we've had so many different titles we were going to use. Remember, the one was, <laughs> those were my best pants. <laughs> Because a a two-year-old, we were in an old station wagon with a window uh, partly down in the back. (laughs) And Noah, who was, you know, he was like six or seven, um, he's been there and there were some clothes there. And the three-year-old threw his pants out out the window (laughs) on a freeway. We were not going back for him. And Noah's comment was. He was just wailing. Those "Those were were my best pants. (laughs) So we thought that'd be a good name for the book. And then more seriously, we were thinking unusual. We'll just call it unusual because it was an unusual time and an unusual kind of a family. And then someone came up with the possible title, um, Don't Try This at Home, (laughs) (laughs) which I think was maybe the second best one we've come up with. But we were laying in bed the other night here on Maui, and Linda suddenly said, I've got it. And I said, you've got what? (laughs) She said, I've got the title for the book. Drum roll. We've said this so much in our family anyway. A little bit crazy. We are just a little bit crazy. And that is a good description of our our lives. Honestly. Would you buy a book called A Little Bit Crazy? And maybe the subtitle is um, The Story (laughs) of Raising an Unusual Family in an Unusual Time or something. I mean, we'll we'll think about it. Anyway, it's been fun to reminisce. And we hope those of you who are listening are thinking about your own family history, no matter how old you are, whether you're Young mom home with with your children because it's such a special time or middle age or a grandparent that is struggling with some health issue, whatever it is. We do hope you're journaling. We journaling you're journaling is such a key thing. I mean, it it puts your own life in perspective. And someday you say, we've had a lot of people say, oh, if I write about my life, no one will ever read it. Well, guess what? Your posterity will read it. Maybe. Maybe no, I think they will. <laughs> I'm not sure. And we would we're just doing this for posterity. We're not publishing it, but uh, it will be interesting to see how many of our grandchildren and maybe I think the great grandchildren might they'll be. read it. They'll they say who were those people? Yeah. I wanna know. Exactly. Well, let's get to the point, Linda, before we take a break, and then we'll really hit it in the second half of the show today. We're back to our three letter lessons. Many of you know we're trying to put together 30 or so, maybe 31, one for each day of the month, three-letter lessons, just little, little word pegs, little, little 
thoughts or ideas or ways to think about things that can be reduced down to one three-letter word. And we're really enjoying it. We're up to, this is number 23. Those of you who are longtime listeners, we've had 22 of them in the past on the podcast. We usually do one or two each month. And um, they're just little words that mean a lot or that can mean a lot if you build a definition of them around a, a certain principle that you're trying to incorporate into your life. You're trying to make part of who you are. And the one today I'm kind of interested and excited to talk about because it's AIR, A-I-R. And it has some special meaning to us because our name, the name AIR is, is actually AIR, Jane Eyre. You've all read Jane Eyre. You had to read it in the seventh grade. In probably. fact, when we were in England, we went by AIR because that's a British name and that's what they would recognize. It's a common British name, E-Y-R-E. And everyone's called, and Linda's, ever since she married me, has been called Jane by people who get confused. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I have to tell you that um, a referee at a basketball game once down in St. George, Richard loves to go down there and play um, in the in the senior <laughs> games. He met me one day walking this. I found your book. I found your book in the, uh, in the drugstore. And I'm like, Really? What really? Book? Which we've, book? we've never seen our book in the drugstore. He says, yeah, Jane Eyre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I wish that was our book, but no. <laughs> anyway. anyway, so we're going to talk about this word air, and we're going to talk about it from the standpoint of the air we breathe and how important breathing is and how few of us breathe properly and how health is largely related to our respiratory system and to how we breathe and how we our relationship with air but we're also going to talk about it as our name and as um something that we've had some interesting experiences with this name air but the the word peg the 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 three-letter lesson is that we can all do a better job with the air that we breathe and it can change how we think and how we feel and how we are so we'll look forward to getting into that right after the lesson, right after this break. But Linda, anything more you want to say about, you know, this history that you're working so hard on? Just that it is so fun to think back and you just feel so blessed when you look back. I mean, there are obviously hard times and it's good to write about that, too, because the kids need to know. Yeah. I mean, whoever reads it yeah. needs to know that we had some really hard times and I think that's good as well as the good times. So we really do suggest that you think a little more this week about journaling. So hang in there with us. We'll be right back talking about the three-letter lesson of AIR, A-I-R. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking today about a lot of things, as you probably know. And we just have to say how grateful we are for BYU Radio for sponsoring this podcast. They've been fabulous. And our producer, Logan Gardner, who is so terrific to just be there when we need him. We are a moving target and we love well that said. he just is so well prepared and well does said. such a good job with this. And Logan is a yes man in the best sense of the word. I mean, when we ask him if he can do something, he always says yes, although he usually says yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate Logan. We appreciate BYU Radio. This is 
this is our 10th year of this podcast. Is it really? Yeah, pretty amazing. Maybe we should have a party. <laughs> I don't know if they would go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for all of our listeners, you know, oh, sure, a virtual party. <clears throat> so, okay, so the word air, it's a serious word to us for a lot of reasons, and we'll get into that, but I just want to tell you one quick story. Um. The word, when while we were living in England, we did some genealogy and some family history research and so on. And as we were getting into it, one of the first things we discovered is that there is a crest for the and, and a coat of arms for the name E-Y-R-E. And it's quite a noble name because the origin of the name goes back to the Battle of Hastings in the year 1066, when William the Conqueror, was in, engaged in in this great battle, and one of his bodyguards, his personal bodyguards, part of his personal entourage, was a guy named George Truelove, all one word, T-R-U-E-L-O-V-E. And apparently Truelove didn't love his name, <laughs> or at least that's part of the story we read. And something interesting happened in the Battle of Hastings. William the Conqueror got knocked off his horse. He got dehorsed, as they called it, and was laying on the ground, and his helmet was crushed in, and he was suffocating. He was dying from lack of, he couldn't breathe. And George Truelove, this bodyguard, nobly swept down off his horse, grabbed the helmet, wrenched it off of William, and and gave him air and he resuscitated and he he was okay and and after the battle as the story goes on this coat of arms william the conqueror knighted george true love this bodyguard and changed his name to air because you gave me the air that i breathe and in the old english the old beowulf english air is spelled e-y-r-e so we're like this is fabulous linda we are name. so oh my gosh we are we heroes we came from a, a, a wonderful story and a noble hero and for about a year we went around you know telling people and you know we have this we we were in the our ancestor <laughs> well the story has a strange ending. <laughs> we went to England to do some research. Well, we were there at the time. That's what I was just saying. And we, and we thought that was it, and we looked in. But then we did a little more deeper research, is what you're saying. Right. We started tracing our actual ancestors who came from Lincolnshire. <laughs> and we got back, back, back in these old parish records, and we came to... One guy whose name was, it said in the records, John Air, and then in parentheses, or Hare, H-A-R-E. So we did the research and finally, forget, to cut a long story short, our real name should be Hare, H-A-R-E, <laughs> which is like a rabbit, right? And in <laughs> fact, these people actually were rabbit farmers and they were illiterate. Well, they were no, they were sheep. They were sheep farmers. Well, some of them were rabbit farmers. Why they had the name Hare? Why would that way their name would have been Sheep? I, I think <laughs> you made that up. No, I their mean, name was Hare. H A R E. I know that, but they didn't raise. Their <laughs> anyway, the point is, 
in Lincolnshire, even now, today, if you say to someone, uh, <laughs> say hair, that person will say air because they drop their H's. They don't, they don't pronounce the, the letter H. And so when the first census taker came around in the late 1700s and said to this family, what's your name? <laughs> they said air. And the census taker wrote it down, E-Y-R-E. -E. So suddenly in this one discovery, we go from being the descendants of this noble person who rescued William the Conqueror to being illiterate rabbit farmers. <laughs> Linda, Linda's laughing so hard. She's like, I wish we'd kept my name instead of yours when we got married. We should be Jacobson's. <laughs> well, they they were farmers for sure, and they were just, you know, living <laughs> they really were rabbit humbly. farmers. <laughs> I have to say that rabbit farmers are wonderful people because you know, my dad is a sweet little farmer. We just have the he sweetest little farm. Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we I mean that we came from farmer. a good person. I am sure that it was a good person. He didn't rescue William the Conqueror. But you don't need to be that to be good. And okay, that, okay. That's, that's the point of this story. Okay, and that, you're right. We decided over time, took us a while, that being descendants of farmers was better than being descendants of some bodyguard. And certainly better than if that hadn't happened and our name was True Love. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, mm, well, that kind of is, that would be okay. That would be kind of good. That'd be kind of good. True Love <laughs> anyway. would be bad. But the point of the word air, we want you to think about this a little. You know, the best things in life are free. Uh, the, the healthiest things in life are free. Air and water. Um, we've got some doctor friends that have told us that if people would breathe a little better and if they drink more water, lots of health problems would be well, solved. Well, you've got a whole book called Breathe. Book called Breathe that I really like that, that talks about deep breathing and how we don't even use all of our lungs. We just breathe shallowly most of the time, and we don't we don't fully inhale and we don't fully exhale. And so it advocates five seconds in, five seconds out, sitting quietly, and and it claims that this is really the root of most meditation is in terms of how you breathe and how fully you expand your lungs and how much oxygen you get out of it, and the fact that breathing is just something we take for granted and don't do properly or consciously or deliberately or intentionally can make a big difference on, on people's health. And so I remember the first time, I, funny you mentioned that, Linda, because I remember I was reading that while we were in Bath in England. We were back there for a, we were actually in England waiting for Charity's twins, our youngest daughter's twins during Going COVID. Going back to twins, yeah, and that's we true. Were, we were quarantining, waiting long enough that we could get to London and be with this younger daughter. That kind of ties it back to the first part it of the does, show. It does, it does. And while we were there, I was reading this book on breathing, and I remember sitting out on this little porch by that river. What was the name of that river? The River... Anyway, anyway, we were. I would sit there and breathe each day because I was reading this book, and I really did. It slows your heart. It slows your. It pulses. It, it lowers your blood pressure. Breathing is a powerful, powerful thing. If we, 
do it right. And if we're fortunate enough to live where we have clear air to breathe, and we certainly do right here. Oh, wow. It is nice to be out of Salt Lake City where we're often during the winter where the pollution is so um, bad. And I think they have not had that this year because it just never quits snowing. So it clears it out, which is huge. But wow, it is so important to learn how to breathe. If you're a singer, that's that's what singers do. I mean, they start by learning how to breathe. They breathe deep and they breathe fully and they know how to let their air out a little bit at a time. And uh, singing is all about breathing. Yeah, really good point. Really good point. And again, this is not the three letter lessons book is not about health or about, you know, tips for having a stronger body or anything. It's about philosophy. It's about a mental um, mindset. And, And I think there's something about air. When you are breathing and conscious of air, and again, most meditation techniques begin with with a kind of breathing that allows you to center yourself and most a lot of meditation where where your focus is is on the breath going in and going out and oftentimes you 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 concentrate on breathing in oxygen and breathing out carbon dioxide breathing in the healing thing you need and breathing out the things you don't need which becomes metaphorical of trying to take into our minds the things that are good and nourishing and get out of our minds the things that are damaging in any way. And so the whole idea of of doing this is connected to how you view life and can you slow down a little? Can you breathe? How many times when you're panicked or you're upset, as, a, as someone said, just, just, just breathe, just breathe. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's the idea of being more calm, being more peaceful. Um, well, and taking in more good, you know, taking in the good and not just air, but taking in the good of your life and then breathing mm-hmm. out help and understanding on people. I mean, that's what I think of when I think of breathe. Breathe in deeply and try to understand people and then breathe out and go out and help go out and help somebody. Um, it really is a good word. I like, I like it. We um, we're just discussing it this morning and thinking what a good word that is. We don't think about air, our air often enough. Yeah. And you mentioned your father, a farmer. It seems to me, and again, I don't want to generalize too much, but previous generations who were more connected to the land, who were farmers or ranchers or or lived in rural places or you know were, were more in touch with nature they were also more in touch with air they 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 breathed a different way they they did cardiovascular not in the gym but in their well, lives they were working so work. hard you yeah. have to breathe hard when you're working so hard exactly and and i wonder if and with that connection to earth and to nature and to air came a greater calmness and a greater peace and a greater sort of sense of of um you know serenity and i think that's what is in such short supply today because we're in we we live in urban environments we are 
we are constantly connected to social media and to our phones and so on. We're aware of too many things. Our minds are very rarely at rest. We're breathing shallowly and, and not as intentionally as we should. And it takes away this calm, this 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 peacefulness that we all wish to have. Um, it makes me think I'm I do a thing. We we do our, our Instagram, which is Richard Linda Iyer, all strung together. On Sunday, I post a little meditation about Christ each week because we like to try to think about a different aspect of Jesus each each Sunday. And by the way, you're all welcome to to join in on that on that on our Instagram, but. Uh, what I was going to say is this last one was on Christ's calmness and, and how his calm was so powerful that it overwhelmed. It, it was contagious and it reached everyone and they became peaceful with him and therefore tuned in to his message and so on. And there's this little, little metaphor there about a deep, deep, deep ocean where the, the top of the ocean is turbulent. There's storms, there's waves, there's lots of lightning and thunder. But as you go down into the ocean, it's calm, it's peaceful. And, and we need to go deep. We need to go deeper into our souls. And one way of doing that is, is air, is how we breathe and how we think about breath and calmness and meditation and so on so that's really beautiful but i have to say as we leave you today that be grateful if you're an oboe player or a bassoon player or a trumpet oh, yeah. player they need the air or a tuba player it is really amazing what it takes to produce that sound and when you think about we're a flute or piccolo i heard takes flute, the most. piccolo absolutely you have to breathe deeply so Good for you if you've done that. But if not, think a little bit more about breathing because it does make a difference in how you feel and how you feel about life, I think. So good luck. There we go. Three-letter word is air. Three-letter lesson. Join us next time on Ayers on the Road. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.